I'm an alcoholic. My name's Katrina. I found hope in these rooms. That's why I keep coming back. My sobriety date is April 21st, 1987. Um, Oh, that gave me chills. Um, There's this gospel singer who who pretty much sings the story of my life. And um, in the song she says um, that she met an old friend in a cafe on a hill, and it it seemed that meeting them after all these years didn't did not seem strange. She said they they laughed and reminisced about the life they used to live, but she could tell at least from for him that nothing had changed. She said an invitation to a party was all he had to offer. Everyone would be there, and all the high that you could get it free. And as he paid, as he turned around and paid the check, he said, we better hurry. And she said, I could tell the one he was talking to was the old me. And I says, look a little closer. Can't you see that I have changed? I'm not the girl I used to be. My life is rearranged. Look a little closer. I'm not the one I used to be. I gave my heart to Jesus and he gave a brand new life to me. And that, that is a song. I, I can stop now. You know, that's what Alcoholics Anonymous, um, helped me to do. Give my heart and my life to God. And in return, I am not that same Katrina that crawled into the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I'm most grateful for that. See, that old, that old Katrina, I tell you, let me see, I was looking around the room. If I was that old Katrina, probably about 10, 15, maybe 20 of y'all I know would probably have... Uh, um, did something to offend me in one of these meetings and I probably would have a lot of assault charges against me uh, I, you know the old Katrina um, I was looking in the parking lot at some of them nice cars I would have had me a few of those um, that's, the, that's the old Katrina you know a um, couple of them sponsors I done had I would have put sugar in the gas tank Ooh, I would have set them up good. But that was the old me. And um and I'm just grateful to say that um God made some changes in me in spite of me. And is still making changes in me in spite of me on a daily basis. I um I am the eighth of eleven kids. Um my dad talks about he just added up the money that he um, spent on alcohol and drugs when we were growing up. And he decided he was going to quit, and that was it. Bam. He quit drinking. He quit smoking. And, um, and he thought everybody else should be just like him. Uh, and I had a hard time listening to that every time I saw him. 
Every time I went into the same um, little mom and pop store that he worked in to buy beer right in front of him, you know, he would tell me that. At the end, he just would not shake his head and cry. He didn't know what to say to me. I couldn't look him in the eye anyway. I'd just go in there with my beer and hold my head down and hand him the money. Um, even though he was sad, I know that him and a lot of other people prayed for me. And um, and their prayers sent me to Alcoholics Anonymous. I um, I got sober when I was in my 20s. Don't try and add up fast. I'm trying to talk real fast so you don't have time to step, you know. Tad up how old I am. But I was looking at all the young young people, you know, skipping up here, jumping upstairs and onward. I was like, oh God, my knees gonna buckle, I'm gonna fall flat on my face. You know, um I'm just grateful to be here. This meeting was a part of my sobriety for a long period of time. Um and uh I don't I don't know where y'all get that purple and black uh birthday hat. I like I like the one I used to wear with the candles on it and the lights flickering on it, you know. <laughs> and y'all still can't sing any better either. Um, <clears throat> as I was growing up, I um, followed a sister two years older than me who was um, very, very intelligent. She's she's a doctor, you know. We all knew she was going to be a doctor, and um, and I was just a clown. And every class I went to, I was Keturah's sister, you know. And um, and it was real hard to upstage some of them straight A's she was giving. So I, you know, I tried to upstage it by getting straight F's. Uh, when it was getting time to graduate college, which I which. When I was again trying to graduate high school, I couldn't imagine trying to go to college. I was already drinking about um, a fifth a liquor, and a case of beer a day, and whatever drugs could help me drink more. And I couldn't imagine trying to go to a college, so um, I decided to do something outlandish, and I joined the military. Uh, because I was a bad kid, I had a real bad temper, and I wanted I wanted the military to just change me, just just change me. You know, um, the temper the temper stemmed from me stuttering, and I just kind of figured if I um, if I was in a heated discussion with you, and I couldn't get the words out, if I hit you hard enough, you wouldn't worry about what I had to say. So, um, so you know, and I didn't like I didn't like the way people looked at me for always fighting and always getting into trouble. So um, I was gonna go and let Uncle Sam straighten me out. Uh, the problem was I didn't realize I was gonna have to participate in the change. I just thought, you know, I guess I thought I was gonna get it through osmosis or something. Uh, yeah, I went to. Basic training. I got into a lot of trouble. They took a lot of my money from me. 
man, I didn't really care. I was just going to do what I wanted to do. And consequences back then just really didn't matter. I, I, I didn't care. I was young. I could take it, you know. I, I was one of them kids when, when my mama beat me. Every time she hit me, I said, that didn't hurt. That didn't hurt. You know, and, and I don't care how hard she hit me. I would say that to her, you know. Um, it hurt, but I, I was just so stubborn and so bullheaded that I didn't want anybody to know that they got to me. But what really happened was everybody got to me. Um, and I just put on that air. I, um, when, after going to the military, I kind of made some real crazy decisions. Um, like I, um, I signed up for 30, 42 years. Uh, that was kind of, dude, I had a little bit too much to drink. Um, and I needed a beer cooler. Uh, so I did stupid stuff like that. And I just drank and drank and drank. And for a long time, alcohol just did the trick. It absolutely did the trick for me. Um, it gave me confidence. It gave me um, the ability to, um, I thought, to fight harder, be stronger, you know, I, now I start to remember that there were fights that I didn't win, you know. Um, but alcohol gave me that fake courage to think that I I was in control. I am. Uh, the reason I came to Alcoholics Anonymous was I was in this marriage. I had these little kids running around. Telling daddy that I was hiding bottles. Um, I had some sisters I was drinking and drugging with. That one of them told me that she was, um, she, 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 she went to the hospital and had a heart attack and contested heart failure at the age of, I guess she must have been about 36. Um, I had a sister who, another sister who had uh, taken some, a lot of drugs from me and she sold them all. And then she was hiding out because she knew I was going to kill her if I called her. And I probably would have. But my gun ain't have no bullets in it. Um, so that was the kind of life I lived. I, I remember a, a day that I woke up and I couldn't hear the kids in the house. It must have been about 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, they were up running around most mornings like that. And I went into the dining room and the kids were in the dining room. And it was my first clear picture of what this disease had did to my family. I looked at it, I looked at um, the sink, and the sink was covered in dishes stacked up real high. My kids were sitting on the dining room table, and the oldest girl, who was about mm, three and a half, she had gotten a box of cornflakes, poured them on the table, got some sugar, poured it on the table, and milk, and they were sitting and they were stirring it with their hands, and they were eating it. Um, 
and I got a moment of clarity. And I saw what I was doing to those kids. And I knew how bad I need to get some help. Um, but the problem was I didn't act on it. And there was a long time, I think it was probably about nine months before I got that moment of clarity again. And that's what scared me. I didn't know if I had another, you know, um, chance to get. I didn't know when I was going to be able to see clear enough to ask for help and follow through on help again. Uh, so I decided I was going to go get me some help. I went into um, treatment at PCAS, which is down on 22nd Avenue, 22nd Street. And on my way in, I told this husband that I was going to get sober and he was going to see he was the problem because I still wasn't able to take any kind of responsibility for my own. Even even though I couldn't do any housework, I, I literally, if I was trying to wash dishes, I'd catch the water in the sink. It had to be extremely hot for me to wash the dishes. But by the time I checked every lock in the house, every window, peeped out all the blinds, went around the whole house, the water was cold, and I'd have to start all over again. And um, and that kind of stuff was starting to make me feel sick on the stomach that I wasn't able to do simple tasks like that. I fed my kids out of the farm store because you could just walk up. I didn't. I couldn't go into a grocery store. I, um, I was scared of the dark because the booger man was going to get me, whoever the booger man is. Uh, but um, this disease took me to an extreme. And it's not like I'm a real... Um, I'm not a real dumb person. I'm kind of intelligent, but... It had nothing to do with intelligence. I was so intelligent, though, that I was teaching um, kids to say no to drugs, and I was smoking crack. That's how intelligent I was. Um, so I lived a lot of lies. I lived a lot of deceit before I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, when I got out of treatment, I learned two things while I was in treatment, two very, very important things. One, that um, for me to pick up a drink or drug again would definitely devastate my life even more. And the second thing was I I had no idea how to stay clean and sober, absolutely none. And I was scared because I was following the people ahead of me that was giving me all these wonderful stories while they was in treatment. You know, telling me how I thought everybody who talked about staying sober just stayed sober. And the people who left treatment right before me proved me, you know, proved that to be false because they got drunk immediately. Um, I was passing around a list in, uh, in the treatment program, getting everybody phone numbers and addresses. And my counselor called me and said, don't do that. I was like, why not? We're going to be a happy family. We're going to stay sober forever. Everybody's going to be wonderful. And she said, you don't get it. She said, why do you think um, that God talks about being in this program 57 times? You know, um, but this was going to be different for him. But those people drank immediately after leaving um, the program. And so I had that kind of feeling. 
about um, not knowing how to stay sober. So one of the things they told me, is said, you know, whatever you do when you get out, don't go down to that 2250. And uh, I... I figured uh, he had been in program 57 times. He drank immediately after leaving. He was in a relationship in treatment. I'm going to win 250. <laughs> and that's what I did. Um, I walked in 2250 for a 7 a.m. meeting the day after I got out of treatment. And... Um, a lady was sharing the meeting, and I just sat at the table and shook real bad. After the meeting, she introduced herself. She asked me what I was doing that day, and I told her, well, you know, nothing. You know, I was trying to think of some wonderful things to tell her. But the bottom line, I was scared to death that a drink was going to jump at me or something. So she said, okay, why don't you just hang out with me? And, you know, she... um said hello to a couple of people, and then she said, let's go. And we jumped, jumped in her car. And, you know, she she just, she looked like she floated about an inch off the ground. Um, and she was so happy and bubbly, you know, and I'm thinking, what the hell's wrong with this lady? Um, but what she did was um, she started talking about the way I was feeling. And, and I identified what a lot of things she was saying. And so she um, <clears throat> she pulled into this place and she said, I'll be right back. I got to go in and get my dog from the groomer. And uh, she, she left the car running. She jumped out the car. She went into the place to get a dog. I looked on the seat next to me and she had a purse there. <laughs> Car running, purse on the seat. <laughs> you know, that was the first time that I think I recognized that it must be God changing me already. Because um, I should have had that car and that purse, you know, I, I, at least gone through the purse and got the money out, you know. But um, but I didn't touch that woman's car or purse. I think it must have been something spiritual in that car that kept me from doing that, you know. Um, but this woman took me to her house and she just kind of talked about sobriety and she 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 just did her did her laundry and ironed some clothes and you know I'm just thinking what is wrong with her? She's just kind of buzzing around and I ain't feeling good. I'm still shaking. And uh, I looked at her, and she said to me, she said, I don't want anything from you, but I want you to stay sober so you can have some help somebody else stay sober. And I thought, hmm, she's crazy, but okay. You know, um, I knew it wasn't going to be that day. So um, she also told me, she said, um, just watch the clock tick, and every time it tick." You're going to get better. And I ain't have anything else to believe in. So I believed in Patty. And I believed in um, what she was saying. And uh, she didn't just tell me how to stay sober. She showed me how on a daily basis she would say, I'll meet you at the next meeting. 
And she would show up and I would show up. And I'm talking about two, three meetings a day. She would show up and I would show up. So I guess I, I remember being in a, um, a women's meeting at 22.50 and I raised my hand and I was like, it's just not getting any better, you know. I'm staying sober and, you know, I'm just going on and on, just crying, snot. It ain't getting no better. And a lady, a lady sitting behind me, she said, you ain't been here but a week. And she, and she started laughing in the meeting, you know. Uh, um, I should have killed her. I should have killed her. But, uh, that was, that was, that was 20 years ago. And I still see Jenny, um, in these meetings carrying the same message. With that same laugh she gave me. Um, I don't think I smiled my first year of recovery. And I had uh, Mr. Rex. Every time he saw me, he'd say, smile, Miss K. It don't get no better than this, you know. And, uh, and he was another one I should have killed. Um, but... But Mr. Mr. Rex is very instrumental in my sobriety. He helped me get a job where he worked at a church, and I served lunch to kids. And then I would help him with the Thursday night, Wednesday or Thursday night dinner cooking. And it was just a safe place for me to stay sober all day. And I, I really do appreciate that, Rex. I think about those days often. I think about working with Gary and his crazy stories that kept me clean and sober just one more one more hour, one more day. Um, when I when I was growing up, my 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 family is a singing family, and we all went to church. And at a certain age, you just join join the church so that you could sing in the choir. It was a given. Um, so they told me it was time for me to go and join the church, and I went on up. And then they said, well, next Sunday, the pastor said, next Sunday, you're going to be baptized. Now, I don't remember other people being baptized, um, especially not my family members. But my sister didn't tease me all the way home saying, you know, because you're bad, when when the preacher puts you under the water, you're going to drown. So... <laughs> So um, I decided I wasn't going back to church. And, you know, um, and so it was next Sunday. First, I tried to be good. I tried to, I really did try and be good all week. But, you know, I'm just a kid. I, I don't know how to be good. And and so I decided I wasn't going to church. So my mom asked me what was wrong. I said, I'm not going to that church. The preacher going to drown me. And, 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 and she, you know. She asked me, could I do my best? And I said, yeah. Can you do the best you can to stay good, to be good? I said, yeah. She said, that's all God wants. He wants you to do your best. And so I did my best the next week, and I did end up going and getting baptized, you know. Uh, <clears throat> but when when I got here and I was getting ready to take that third step, I had that same fear that if I made this commitment and I didn't do it exactly right, then, you know, God was going to get me. Um, and Patty reminded me a lot of my mom 
saying all God wants for you to do is practice doing the next right thing. And I could definitely do that. I could practice doing the next right thing. And that's what I've been doing um, for a few years. Not all the time. I, I miss the mark on a daily basis. But I don't stay down. I get back up. And I I try again, and I try again, and I try again. Um, The one thing that I've done perfect since I've been in Alcoholics Anonymous is I haven't picked up a drink. Um, That's the only thing I've done perfect. Um, And that's been in spite of me, a lot of days in spite of me. I, um, I want to talk about the miracles of this program. I've had so many miracles that happen to me since I become a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, it's like that commercial said, membership has its privileges. Being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, I've been given a lot of privileges. I, um, I remember the first year, um, my kids didn't have anything. My first year, my first year in recovery, uh, I, we owed a loan shock. Well, I, I had owned him about three, four years. So he got his money. I, my husband made $200 a week, and the loan shock got $125 every week. And we lived off them $75. And we lived off those, you know, that for many, many years. And I got in recovery, and Christmas rolled around, and I didn't have anything for my kids for Christmas. And the people in the fellowship brought my kids Christmas clothes and gifts for Christmas. Um, I got about, I guess about six months sober. And I was, I was catching three buses and walking 20 minutes to get to a job that I only worked three and a half hours. And, um, and, and one day my sponsor said, because I was sleeping in meetings that night, because I was so tired from doing that, and, and my sponsor told me to pray. Pray for God to um, give me another job. Well, she asked me to quit my job. I said, no way. And she said, well, pray for the willingness and take to, at least take tomorrow off, and we'll, and we'll go look for you another job. And I was willing to do that. And when, But when I prayed that morning... I, I heard God said, you ain't got to quit your job, you know. So my sponsor on her way to get me. I just got through praying. God told me I ain't have to quit my job. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to tell this sponsor God spoke to me, you know. Um, and she pulled up and blew and I went out. And um, before I could say anything, she said, uh, I got some good news. Uh, I was doing a massage on this woman, and she she had a car. She has a car she wants to give you. And, you know, I was just in shock, you know. So she drove me over to the latest house. We pulled up in the yard, and there's like a, a, um, a Porsche, a Buick, and a Volkswagen thing. And I'm praying for the Porsche. Lord, please, please give me that one. <laughs> So, so I went into this lady's house, you know, she just dropped me off there, and the lady asked me what, you know, what my story was, and, um, and she had another girl there, she had given the girl a Buick, and she, she was gonna give me the Volkswagen thing, and, and, um, 
she took me she, she she took me and got a years of insurance, put the title in my name, and and then she said, Don't say thank you, just help somebody else. And gave me the keys to the cars and said, See you later. And that was the first time I saw that lady. And um I had the car about three, four months, car started acting up. And I was driving down the street, taking my daughter to school, and the car stopped. And uh, I was getting my daughter out of the car so the car was in the road so I could get out of the road. And I saw this woman driving down the street. She did a U-turn and came back. And she said, you've been having problems with the car? I said, yeah, you know, just a little bit, you know. And so there, she called for a troll truck. She um, She took me to take my daughter to school. They towed the car to a, um, um, an auto shop. She gave me five $100 bills and cab fare to take get the car, you know, back when they called and said it was ready. I saw that lady those two days, and I've never, ever seen her again in my life. It was like the uh, angel just appeared. Um, wouldn't know how she looked today, you know. Uh, but, you know, God sent angels all through my life, all through this, through my sobriety to do stuff like that for me. I went to a, um, a retreat up in Georgia and <clears throat> at, at the retreat, we were going through workshops. At this one workshop, this lady said, um, I'm, I'm going to give y'all a gift. Everybody's going to get a gift when they leave here. Um, and, and what I want you to do is before you leave here this weekend, give somebody else that gift that, you know, they, that, that you got. So I, I'm thinking about what my gift going to be. Now I can't focus on the workshop. You know, I'm thinking, please let me get like prestige or power or, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking financial stuff, you know, let, you know, um, and, um, what happened was, I pulled the sheet out and I got grace. And it was like, oh Lord, I got grace. I didn't understand it. I just, I didn't want grace. You know, I, I wanted, I wanted something empowering or something, you know, uh, but you, that's just kind of how sick I am, you know. I thought, so, I saw somebody get prosperity. I said, want to trade, you know. Um, so, So we were we were in the car ready to leave the retreat and I had the same jacket on and I saw my piece of paper sticking out. And I said, Wait a minute, wait a minute. I jumped out of the car. I gave this lady she was a newcomer, she was c- coming from treatment, you know, to the retreat and I said, Here's here's my gift to you and she saw Grace and she looked at it and she was like she got it. She was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. That's what I needed. You know, I'm thinking, uh, I'm like 10 years sober. And she happy because she got grace. You know, I, I wasn't happy. So um, so we made the drive home and uh, pulled up in my, I pulled up in my yard and the boys in the neighborhood riding their bicycles all around, they said, I bet you don't know what happened to your house while you was gone. And I said, um, no. They said, it was burning. And um, I dropped my bags. 
I ran inside the back door, and the kitchen was completely burned up. And I could hear voices in the house, and I ran in, and my daughters were standing going through their stuff. And I'm going to tell you what, that word grace hit me in the top of the head like a hammer. Um, I got it. I absolutely got it. That grace was the best thing that, that I can ask for. Grace and mercy is, you know, um, I just finally got that. And I'm just so grateful to God that I got it. You know, sometimes I get it slow. You know, uh, it's kind of like I, I, I used to be a wet brain, but now I'm just a little damp. Um, <laughs> I get it kind of slow. But I get it. It takes me a while, but I get it. And that's the most important part. I, um, I've been through so much through my sobriety, you know, uh, I've been through my sister's death. My sister died of AIDS. Um, the one who went into the hospital right around the time I went into treatment, I was able to be there for her, her last breath, holding her hand. Um, this past year, this past year, um, my best friend, my best friend died April 15th of cancer. I was there every day. She opened her eyes. I was there. Um, my April, my grandma died in December, December 29th. <clears throat> um, we had just celebrated her 23rd birth, uh, 100 and her 103rd birthday. Um, this January 12th, um, my dad died. That same man I hated for years and years. That um, for a lot of years I I walked by him in a grocery store and just said, "Hey, that man who raised eleven of us, eleven of us kids, worked two jobs, twenty-five years, two full-time jobs." passed away and I was able to be right there by his side while he took his last breath my mother-in-law who helped me raise those kids all them years while I was drinking and drugging and then when I got sober and had to go to meetings all the time she died at the end of January this year And the only thing that I know for sure is that um, I didn't pick up a drink or a drug. The only thing I know for sure is that God's grace is still sufficient. Absolutely sufficient. Um, One of the other things that I know for sure is that... um, I don't care how many people I lose in my life, 
Alcoholics Anonymous keep providing new people on a daily basis that um, replace those people somehow, some way that have um, served their time here. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I got the same enthusiasm that I had 20 years ago. Um, it's just getting, I'm getting, my bones getting too old to prove it. You know, and my spirit is there. And my spirit, this place, is the best thing that's happened since sliced bread, as my daddy used to say. Um, I'm getting ready to take a trip for Thanksgiving. What I'm going to do is my family and about 35, 40 of us are going to drive to Atlanta to celebrate my brother's retirement. Now, um, if I was in my addiction, I'd have to kill at least 50% of the family before we got (laughs) on the road. And the other 50% when we got in Atlanta. But um, I got a new life today. There used to be quite a few people in the rooms that I know from growing up, like Raymond P., who passed away a little while a while ago, and um, and they knew the old Katrina. But like I said, you know. All I got to do is look a little closer. I'm not that same Katrina that crawled to these doors, you know, 20, 20 years ago. Um, God, I gave my life to God, and God's given me a whole new life. So during this Thanksgiving and this gratitude time, if you don't have anything to be grateful for, let me give you a couple of things. Katrina is in this meeting. So if Katrina is in this meeting talking, Katrina can't be out vandalizing your cars or stealing your cars in the parking lot. Katrina is in this meeting. Therefore, Katrina wouldn't be burglarizing your houses. Katrina is in this meeting. So Katrina would not be hitting your family members over the head to take their purse or rob them. So if you don't have anything to be grateful for, <laughs> please be grateful that Katrina is in an AA meeting rather than sitting in the bushes waiting on you to come out and rob you. Thank you so much. God bless you. I love you. <laughs>